0: Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, now originally we didn't think we were supposed to have a service tonight, but apparently the Lord wanted us to have a worship service tonight, Ephesians chapter 6, I want to share a message titled, Weapons and Warfare. Now, preachers are supposed to be ready in season and out, so this is what I had on deck, and I really was not finished preparing this, so you'll just have to bear with me. Weapons and warfare, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians is in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians. Now, many of us have heard this text a gazillion times. So what I want to do right now is let's just simply ask the Lord to show us something new in his word or something that we need to hear specifically. So in order to do that, if you have a Bible, I'd like for you just to, in your lap, just grab it right now, just hold it kind of right in front of you, and I'm going to say a prayer, and if you agree with this prayer, say it silently to yourself, okay? Lord, we believe this is your word. We believe that it is alive and active. God, we believe that it does not return void. Speak now, Lord, to my heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. To give us some context before we read it. Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians to help the Christians at Ephesus solidify their identity and to equip them to fight in spiritual battles that would impact all eternity rather than getting caught up in these little temporary civilian skirmishes that were ultimately pointless. Paul wanted the the Ephesian church to understand who they were in Christ. In the last chapter, chapter 6, he helps equip equip believers— how to fight spiritually. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly, as I ought to speak. Weapons and warfare. Spiritual warfare. C.S. Lewis says this in the Screwtape Letters. It's very important for us to understand this truth. There are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall about the devils. One is to believe in their existence. I apologize. Let's rewind. One is to disbelieve in their existence. So on one hand, to not even believe in demonic warfare and Satan and the spiritual forces of evil. To just not even believe in it. So that's one thing. The other is to believe in spiritual warfare and demonic activity. And to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Okay, so on one hand, and this is where most Baptists are. Let's just be real honest about it. Most people just really don't even believe in spiritual warfare—that demons exist and that Satan is operating in our world. That's on one hand, and then on the other hand, some people are so fascinated and so have unhealthy interest in spiritual warfare. So I need to say that because we don't want to go down either one of those roads. Okay, we don't want to give the enemy more credit than he deserves. All right? So let's go, go for it. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Why is that important? Why does Paul tell the church at Ephesus this? Because our strength is in the Lord, not ourselves. Then he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The whole armor of God. Then Paul says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So I grew up hearing about the enemy and warfare and these things, but it just didn't register in in my brain that uh, these things were real. And so just over time, God had to, to show me... Well, really, I I became to real, realize that the enemy was real just because of the battles that I face daily. And I'm sure you guys can testify to that. But in our culture, most people in the United States do not believe in these things. And so... Uh, the enemy appears that he works differently in our country. Now, nothing's new under the sun, and he still has the old-fashioned tricks. He doesn't have really anything new. He likes to think that he does, but really old tricks. But in our culture, if most of the the people do not believe in God or in spiritual warfare, then the enemy has them right where he wants them. And so in in America, I believe, and you may disagree, but I think the enemy works primarily. He focuses on our entertainment system and Hollywood and uh, the Internet and just the filth in our culture and in the music. And that's how he operates to lure people in and to, to blind them. Whereas if you go to a third world country, you see people all the time that are demonically possessed and oppressed. Now, does that mean that we don't have all that going on here? Absolutely not. There are people in our culture here in America that are demon-possessed. And we send them to the hospital immediately. But we need to pray, pray, pray over them and cast it out. Speak it out in the name of Jesus. Now, half of us Baptists, if we did something like that, people would call us Fruit Loops. <laughs> they would, wouldn't they? But, but so the enemy works differently. When I was in India, So many people, I would ask them, "How'd you come to know Christ?" And they say, "Well, um, my arm was—it was lame. I could not use it." This one, this one lady shared this story with me, and I'm—this is a private conversation I'm having with this lady that could speak English. She couldn't speak great English, but she could speak a little. She says, "My arm was was lame. I couldn't use it." The Holy Spirit's calling somebody. So she said her arm, she couldn't use it. And she said she was demonically oppressed. And then she came to know Christ because someone, people prayed over her and she could use her arm again. And this lady sitting here telling me, I'm thinking, okay, she's probably just making this up. But then I look into her, her face and she got tears streaming down her face, telling me what, how she came to know Christ. And so many times I would ask people how they came to know Christ, and it was through some miraculous thing. And I thought, you know, they don't teach you this in seminary. But here these people are, tears in their faces, screaming out of their face. And I'm like, why does God appear to move this way here, and in America he moves this way? Well, the truth is God hasn't changed. God, God is the same overseas, and he's the same here. But the enemy operates differently in this country. And we need to understand that. That the, the enemy, as far as how he displays demonic oppression... Or really, possession. Because if you see someone that's possessed, what's that going to do? That's going to give you more faith to believe in God. So Paul gives a battle plan. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Stand, therefore. Okay, we're going to go through these. So I'm going to need some volunteers. I'm going to need some students to help me out. So who wants to help? I need, I need one volunteer, to come up, two volunteers to come up here. We'll see how many I need. One, two, three, four, five, six. I need six of you. So I need four more. No? Okay, You sure. Don't resist the spirit of the Lord now. Okay, whoa. I just need six. I tell you what, I got a plan. We can use both of you. I need two swords. Two swords. Okay, line up in the front of the where everyone can see you. Okay, spread out. Don't want to hurt it. Don't want to hurt each other. Spread out a little more. You're going to need some room. Okay, we're going to start on this side. Okay. So, let's read the verse. It says, "Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth." Okay, belt of truth. Where's my belt of truth guy? Okay. Now, do something to show us that you have the belt of truth on. Whoa, whoa, now. You going to tie that up? Okay. Don't worry, guys. I have this. I have 10 years of student ministry experience. Okay, that's your belt? Yeah. Something like this? Okay, all right. So he's got the belt of truth. Now, what is the belt of truth? Cling to the truth of God's Word, right? Cling to the truth of God's Word. Paul told Timothy to continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. So who's the truth? Exactly. Jesus is the truth. And so this belt of truth is the foundation for all the other weapons. Okay? We trust in truth not how we feel, or if school's going bad, we trust the truth of God's word. Jesus is the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? So you've got the, so do assemble and maintain that stance to let us know you've got the belt. Perfect. There you go. Captain America. Beautiful. Alright, next we see in verse 14, the second part of that, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay? Tell you what. Why don't you guys swap places? Oh. Okay. Now, you need to do something to let us just have a mental picture of the, the breastplate of righteousness. Oh. So you're going to have to like, there you go. <laughs> suck it up. Suck it up. <laughs> All right. So the, the breastplate of righteousness. Well, what is the breastplate of Righteousness. Yeah, it means to stay above reproach, to pursue what is right. The breastplate of righteousness, my wife always says, if we stay far from the cliff, chances are we will not fall off when the wind blows. Right, church? Stay far from the cliff. Stand for what's right. Don't, don't even get close to darkness. Don't even flirt with it. Don't even think about it. So let's cling to righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, next, verse 15. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So we have the the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and now we have the shoes of readiness. So we need the shoes of readiness. Jade, beautiful shoes. So, okay, that's a great pose. Maintain that, please. The shoes of readiness. What does this mean? It means to be ready in season and out of season. It means to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is inside of us. It means that we should know the gospel. <gasps> you mean that Christians actually should know what the gospel is? Yes, if you go to church, you should know it. Well, here, in case you do not know, I've got a definition for us. First Corinthians 15, verse 3 through 4. This is a biblical definition of the gospel. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Students, listen up. This is the gospel. So, when people ask you at school, this is it. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Now, there's the gospel. Got it? Need you to memorize that. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 4. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Okay? Got it? Next, we see the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. The shield of faith. So, we need a shield. All right, let's maintain that pose. Beautiful. One hand's in your pocket because you really don't need it because you've got a shield, right? Okay, there you go, there you go. So, you have the shield of faith. What does shield of faith mean? These, these flaming arrows are coming to God's people. Have you ever faced the arrows from the enemy? The arrows of uh, just pain sometimes. It's like the devil just wants to hurt our feelings sometimes. Uh, there's all kinds of ways that he attacks us. Plants doubts. And if you love the Lord, then you're going to face these flaming arrows. Now, if you, you're not living for the Lord and you're not really engaged in the mission then you're probably not going to face too many of those arrows because the enemy's going to wait, spin his arrows on somebody that's actually making a difference. And so if you're facing severe adversity, sometimes I would say you're doing something right. Right? You are you're serving the Lord and you are a threat to the enemy. In the book of Acts, these people were trying to use the name of Jesus for financial gain. They were trying to cast out demon possessed people for financial gain. You learn you study that today? No, no, they do that today. Oh, they do that? People use that today. Okay. And what happened is that this demonic man overtook these people. You guys know the story in the book of Acts? And then I love it what this this demon basically said through this man. It says Paul, we have heard about. Jesus, we know. But who are you? So, the question for us tonight, church, is do the demons know your name? Do they know your name? Are you a threat to what they're doing? Now, if you're not engaged in the mission, if you're not walking with the Lord daily, they probably don't know who you are, nor do they care. What an honor that, that, that we are known in the circle of the enemy, that we are known as God's sons and daughters on a mission. So you hold up the shield of faith when the flames come. Whenever the, We're tempted. When the temptation comes, we have to remember, by faith, God's word says, but I don't feel like it says what God's word says. Do not touch that tree. Do, do not eat that fruit. But it looks nice. God's word says. You have to put faith. I, I put faith in what God's word says. My granddaddy, Bobby Frazier, you guys will meet him when you go to heaven. He always said to me when I leave his house, keep the faith. Keep the faith. Like every time. I knew he was going to say it. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Why? Young people, why is that important? Go to college. Keep the faith. Keep the faith, because faith is that special ingredient that you can use to defend attacks from the enemy. Okay. When you go to college, students, many people are going to try to undo everything that your your church has tried to instill. They're going to try to undo everything that your parents have tried to pour into you. Remember, test the spirits. Seek the truth. And remember what you've been taught. Okay? Faith also says that God knows what's best. We're saved by grace through faith. We're sanctified by faith. And we battle the enemy by faith. Okay? Verse 17. Take up the helmet of salvation. Where's my helmet of salvation? <clears throat> Helmet's a little shaky, bud. It's alright. Helmet of salvation. Good job, Logan. Good job. Well, might as well go ahead, Logan. Helmet of salvation. What does this mean? The knowledge of the gospel. The truth of the gospel, the hope we have in the gospel. Remember what God has done when the enemy shoots those arrows of doubt. This is why God told Joshua, you like Joshua. This is why God told Joshua to do what? To stack up those rocks. To stack those rocks up, to, to stack the stones up. Why? To remember what God had done. So the helmet of salvation, mentally, let's remember what, where we've come from, where God has saved us from. And then the last weapon here. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword, okay? Okay. The sword. You need a sword. You can make believe, pretend, if you want. Okay? Very intimidating. Great. So, the sword. Now, you're going to be the offensive sword. Got it, Julie? It is the Word. It is the Word and it is prayer that brings down strongholds. The power of the Word in our worship services is when we read the Word. That's when the enemy gets nervous. That's why a lot of churches, there's no power because they never read the word. There's no, that's why a lot of houses and families, there's no power because there's no word. So the sword is an offensive weapon. We use it to demolish strongholds. We quote scripture. We, we use it. And if a sword is used in battle, as an offensive weapon. But a sword is also used as a defensive weapon. So you're going to be our defensive weapon. So your, your sword needs to be a little more aggressive because of you're offensive weapon. And then, there you go. And then you're going to be a defensive sword. So, however you think. So, like, let's say someone's striking you. You need to hold your sword up to block it. Okay? Beautiful. So sword is also a defensive weapon. Church, you know this verse. Psalm 119, verse 11 Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, how did he defend against Satan? Quote Scripture. That's right. That's it. All right, let's give these students a hand. Thank you. There are three types of schemes that the enemy usually uses to attack believers. We've already talked about a few of these. Three types of schemes the enemy uses to attack believers. Number one, the world. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world, the unsatisfying pleasures of this world. The world. So that's one scheme, the world. The enemy uses that to attack believers, the world. Well, you're saying, uh, the world, well, Jesus, doesn't John 3.16 say, For God so loved the world? Yes. But the way that the enemy attacks when he uses the world, it's not the, the earth itself, and it's not necessarily all the people, but it's the mindset, the rebellious nature of mankind. That's what it's talking about. the ways of the world, so to speak. Another scheme that the enemy uses, just old-fashioned scheme that he's been doing for thousands of years, is the flesh. Romans eight thirteen. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Everyone knows that old flesh. Aren't you glad when you go to heaven you won't have to deal with it anymore? That's a, that's a great day to look forward to. You don't have to deal with that flesh anymore. Until then, we need to die to our flesh daily. Rest crucified and live free. Let Christ live through us. Third scheme of the devil, something he uses is demons, also known as fallen angels. Now, we don't want to talk too much about these because we don't want to give them credit, but... We do need to know who we're up against. One-third of angels left God, and they joined Satan. Now, they are not all-knowing. They are not all-powerful. They are not all-present. Jesus is. Jesus is all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he's all-present. Jesus told us in Mark chapter 10... There's a situation that happened, and he said, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. This kind, K-I-N-D. Well, that tells us something. There are different kinds of demons. We know there's different kind of angels. There's different kind of angels. They have different responsibilities and so forth. So sometimes... Only these demons can be handled by prayer and fasting. Satan's goal and his demons' goal is for us to live a compromised and fruitless life filled with rebellion towards God. Say that again. Just in case you're wondering what the goal of the enemy is tomorrow, Monday morning, when you wake up, is for us to live a compromised and a fruitless life filled with rebellion towards God. The enemy wants us to be a rebel, have a rebel spirit. There's two types of demonic activity. Number one, ordinary demon activity. What does that look like? Attempts to entice us to sexual sin, false truths about Jesus, false religions, drunkenness, bitterness, lying, Idolatry and other fruits of the flesh that the, 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 the enemy is wanting us to act on. Then, so there's ordinary demonic activity. Now, there's also extraordinary demonic activity, torment, counterfeit miracles. Now, sometimes there are miracles that the enemy does overseas and in America. Satan has some power, but he's not all-powerful. His power is right here, and God's power is way up there. It's not even close. So another extraordinary demonic activity is accusation, death, physical impairment. Colossians 2 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made a life together with him, having forgiven all us, all of our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against it against us with its legal demands. He set aside nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So by accepting Christ, when Jesus When he died on the cross, what's the last thing that the Lord said? It's finished. It's finished. He disarmed the enemy. So, we need to have a respect for some spiritual warfare, but we should not be afraid, ever. We should never have an attitude of fear when it comes to these things. I cannot tell you how many times at my house... You know, over the years, I've had to stand up in the middle of the night and pray out loud in the name of Jesus. Now, our first year of marriage, Allison thought I had lost my mind when we had some strange stuff happening. This house that we lived in, um, it kind of got a bad start. It was an unusual situation. A couple was living in this house and um, just basically doing things that invited Satan into it. And that house, I always had trouble out of that house. And so... I had a pastor tell me, you need to play some Christian music, turn it on real soft, and just let it play all the time. And that helped. And I would lay my Bible beside my bed, open, and um, it was a battle. It was a battle. But there is power in the name of Jesus. Every time I ask in the name of Jesus, get out of my house. Gone. A lot of times we pray at our house, and you should pray at your house, that the blood of Jesus covers your home. That God puts a, a hedge of protection around your house, around your bedroom, around your car. Let's think about Job quickly before we go eat cake. Job, what did Satan say to God? No, actually, the Lord told Satan, have you considered Job? Have you considered Job? And all of these horrific things happened to Job. But you ever thought about it that Job's wife, she was never harmed. She was never harmed. Everything else in Job's life his farm, his children, his health but Job's wife, she was okay. Now, why is that? When you get married, you're one flesh. One flesh. And God told Satan, you can't kill Job. That's why Job's wife, she was okay. Because she was in that hedge of protection. So we have that protection. We face a spiritual army We read the storybook Bible sometimes. Allison mainly to our kids. It's not the real Bible, but it's based on the Bible. And um, my son Graham, he's four. He always wants to read about the cross. And at first, I was getting a little concerned, like that's all he wanted to read about. On one hand, I'm like, that's really cool. And the other hand, I'm like, this is kind of strange. And and so, Allison, you know, teaches has been teaching them about that. The devil, you know, in the Bible, there's a snake representing Satan. And so the other day, Graham was teaching Adeline, who is two. He was, he was reading the Bible to her. And Allison overheard Graham say that Jesus is putting the snake in timeout. <laughs> that Jesus is putting the snake in timeout. And I thought, that's good. That is so true. And and ultimately, when the Lord died on the cross, God Almighty died in the flesh, and he was buried, and three days later, he rose. He disarmed the enemy once and for all. He has no power over us. And Satan is on a leash. And any time God wants to put him in time out, he can There's so much more that I could share, but we don't have time. There's one verse I want us to share, to, I want us to read together. James 4, 7. So what do you do when something happens and you sense that something's just not right? Well, here's a verse you can share. You can say this out loud. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Can we say that together? Ready? One, two, three. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That makes the enemy nervous in this city. Don't you want to be known as a church that makes the enemy nervous? Don't you want to be on the front lines of what God is doing at your workplace? Don't you want to be on the front lines of what the what God Almighty is doing? And although there's demonic activity, guess what? There's angelic activity, the right kind, the good kind. And Gabriel, he's somewhere. He's doing something today. He's got his special mission today. God has his army. And they're they're on these special assignments, protecting God's people, rescuing people, helping some of us not have a car wreck. Seriously, how many times does God intervene and we don't even know it? He protects us. It's exciting to think about that God's just not some novel concept, but he's a living God we can trust his word. I hope that you're encouraged that we're in a battle, but we don't have to be afraid. We have the power of the name of Jesus. We have God's spirit that's inside of us. It's greater than any spirit in this world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us the whole armor of God. Thank you, Lord, that You let us, just frail human beings, be a part of your kingdom work. So this week, Lord, would you help us to to claim the, the weapons that we have? God, help us to put on the belt of truth. Help us put on the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of readiness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. God, help us to use the sword of the Spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, our response time is going to be over cake. Unless, did you guys have a response song ready? No, it's okay.